Good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, November 13th, 2019. Yeah, we are on day, I think, 317 of this calendar year. Well, that puts it in a different perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. 317 on this year. We've got just a few days left in the year, and uh, I want to focus in on the last three services that we've had. In the last three services, uh, let's start with Sunday. Let's go in the last three days. On Sunday, Pastor Eric preached a sermon entitled Chiseled. He took the main passage from the law. Main passages were from Exodus and Deuteronomy. And the law was always supposed to incline our hearts towards something in man. Didn't it incline your heart? Where we learned about his testimony, not our testimony. On Monday, somebody say Monday. Monday. We actually went into the prophets. And we had our soul warned in a tremendous way looking at 2 Samuel 6. So we had law on Sunday. We had the prophets on Monday. And here we are the third day after our service here. And we are looking at, we're going to talk about how to incline our strength tonight. Amen. We're going to look at exactly what God has for us. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 23 and 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. It says this, may God himself, oh, in case you were wondering that he might delegate this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Man, I love men of God who can hear from God. Justin Treister got up here and encouraged us right at the end of our worship time. And this passage of scripture is in exact alignment. Thank you, Justin, for sharing that with us. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an encouragement tonight. The one who calls you is faithful. Somebody say, he's faithful. He's faithful. And in case you didn't catch the faithful part, it also says, he will do it. Yeah. He's faithful, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. See, he is faithful to build his testimony inside of you. I am still moved from Sunday. The understanding that it's his testimony, not ours. Are y'all with me tonight? Did anybody catch that part on Sunday? Pastor said that about 15 times on Sunday. So I'm hoping you heard the same thing that I did. It's his testimony, not just ours. We just get to participate. He gets to utilize us when we walk in the faithfulness. The title of tonight's sermon is Finish Strong. Increasing in his testimony. Finish strong. Somebody say finish strong. Finish strong. See, we need to increase in his testimony in this place tonight. Let's go to Exodus 34. We'll start in verse 4. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. See, we're very familiar with this story that so much that we think that it's about the broken law. It's about the broken commands whenever Israel sinned with the golden calf. It is all these things, but the tablets were God's testimony. Say that with me. Say God's testimony. God's testimony. They were God's work in the writing by his very spirit. We are missing that this is his 
testimony. Pastor mentioned earlier that on Sunday that 15 times it was said that this was his testimony. Because it's not every, it's not our reputation. It's not our body of work that's at stake. It's his testimony that's at stake. His name, his character, not ours and not theirs. The first time Moses went on the mountain, God chiseled out the stones and inscribed with his finger. Now we're looking at the second time, and who exactly is chiseling out these two stone tablets? Moses is. You know, whenever there is a means of restoration and rebuilding his testimony in our lives after we sin, there's an offering, there's a labor that we have to participate in. Giving something back to God for him to take his finger and re-inscribe his commands upon our stony hearts. In this second time, after the sin and breaking of the commands, Moses chiseled out the tablets like the first ones and on the same mountain presented those tablets back to God. We have to have that same commandment, the obeying to the command that God gave Moses, that we are going to go in and put in the work to fulfill what God has asked us to do, to chisel out those stones and go back up. Everybody say, go up. Go up. Moses, after chiseling those stones, went up. He climbed to that mountain, that meeting place with God on Mount Sinai, because he had an attitude that wanted to finish strong. He wasn't the kind of man that saw the broken tablets, fell on his face and cried, and no one could make him stand back up on his feet. But he was a man of deep convictions, a deep love for the Lord, and it wasn't going to define the rest of the history for the nation of Israel, nor was it going to define his testimony for the nation of Israel. He finished strong because he was desiring to increase in his testimony. Come on, amen. Let's look at verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, proclaiming his name, the Lord. Time number one. Mm -hmm. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. Times number two and three. The compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Can you put up that slide for us, Joy? Come on, I know that this sevenfold of what God shared with his people. He said to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Come on, it's almost like he understands that we are made up of spirit and soul and body. That we need something to incline our heart, to, to warn our soul and to direct our strength. He's saying that every part of him needs to get into every part of us. Amen. And what does he say? What is the specific sevenfold understanding that Moses got from this? He's compassionate. Somebody say compassionate. Compassionate. He is gracious. Somebody say gracious. Gracious. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He is abounding in faithfulness. He maintains love. Somebody say he maintains love. He maintains love. Come on. He can cultivate that in all of us simultaneously. What an incredible thing. He also forgives wickedness. Come on, this is what God is saying, and he's using the word to do this. As he goes through, he is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. Abounding in love. Come on, he's abounding in faithfulness. Maintaining love. And he's forgiving wickedness for each of us. Don't you need that from the Lord? Yes. Come on, anybody need to walk in that since Sunday? Yes. No. Now, now have you really had to walk in that? 
Anybody need God's compassion today? Yeah, yes. about a thousand times today that I know about. See, as you're walking through these things, because this is the definition of his testimony. Yeah. It's not ours. Yeah. This is his testimony that he will work into us. Pastor, I know we said this on Sunday. Yeah, you don't know it yet. You heard it, but you don't know it yet. You know why? Because you're worried that he's not going to be compassionate to you. You, you forgot that he's already slow to anger. You, you forgot that he can maintain love towards us. See, God is going to empower you. Yeah. God is going to direct you. God is going to strengthen you. He will continue to make a covenant with you so that you can carry his testimony. Say his testimony. His testimony. And that you can finish strong, increasing in his testimony. Let's look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We'll start in verse 5. Oh, you know it, man. You know it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and with harps, lyres, I hate to say it, even tambourines, sistrums, and symbols. It's a personal pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Uh, apparently in this translation, they also had castanets. Castanets. Oh, wow. Castanets. Well, something that we learned about this scripture on Monday night is that it is possible and even probable that a person can be in the midst of an all-out celebration before God. I'm talking about worshiping like a boss. Dancing from one end to the other, have every instrument known to man in complete unity and orchestration, resounding the glories of God, but have failed in the dedication to God's word, his testimony, failed to having finished strong and increasing his testimony. Is anybody still... Having the Lord move on your heart from Monday night from that? Yes. Wow. Six people. That's, that's, that's stunning to me. See, this idea that you could be fully passionate before the Lord and just be wrong about what you're doing. Mm. That's been piercing my soul. That's been uh, both troubling me and encouraging me. It's been consuming my thoughts. Lord, how many times have I come here and just put this thing on autopilot? Anybody ever heard of a friend somewhere else who's just come to church and put it on autopilot? Me. Yeah, see what the Lord is trying to do with us tonight is make sure that you get off autopilot. Because, by the way, you don't have autopilot. No. You don't have a cruise control. You're some nerd that's driving a car, pushing buttons, and you're just slowing down the whole time. See, what the Lord is trying to do is say, this can't be on autopilot because I've given you clear instructions. I will give you my word, and it is supposed to influence everything you do. Look at verse 6. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out his hand and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died right there beside the ark. Mm. Huh. Isn't, isn't it incredible until Monday night, maybe you were like me and you focused on Uzzah dying here? 
Why did he die? What about it made it an irreverent act? Let's, let's read the next verse. I'm so grateful to Pastor Eric and to Justin Treaster for sharing this with us on, on Monday night. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath broke out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was angry with the Lord. Man, I can't believe King David was angry with the Lord. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. If you haven't taken this to heart from Monday night, if you weren't there on Monday night, you missed it. If you're not there on Monday nights with us, you're missing it. But you can be mad at a pastor, at an elder, at the Lord himself, instead of actually checking your own heart. Hmm. What we learned about King David here is that he was mad at the Lord for the Lord doing exactly what he said he would do. He was mad at the Lord for David not following what the Lord had already told him to do. Anybody see the problem with that? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, but at least that was just King David, right? Nope. It's so much easier to fight to be weak, isn't it? Fighting to be a biblical scholar, but simultaneously fighting to be a weak mother. Fighting to be a prince among men. But also fighting to not know how to respond when someone just asks you a simple question. Mm. See, we don't understand that we do this. We want to look a certain way, but then we want to also hang on to our weakness so that we have someone else to blame for our own sinful heart. We have someone else to blame for us not just looking at the Word. We want to run to people who have proven themselves to never be faithful. And we want to run to them because we think it's easier to go to some other family member than it is to stay in the family that God has put us here. Wow. That's not just David, is it? No. This is exactly where we are. But this is not where this story leaves us. Let's look at verse 12. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down, And brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken how many steps? Six steps. Six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now, as we look at this, how David responds is that he began to see where God's favor was. He picked up his eyes and began to see where the ark of God dwelt. And those that had been around God's presence, those around the ark of God were being blessed. But also he realized his own condition that he was not being blessed. Because he wasn't rightly relating to the ark of the covenant. Where Moses had demonstrated climbing to Mount Sinai. In necessary means to find revelation of his testimony. David had learned through repentance how to walk right. Oh, come on. Well, what about those times when God gets your attention? You get angry at God for revealing the true condition of what you couldn't see before. And all of a sudden you look up and you see righteous men and women of God. And the favor of God is with them and it's not with you. And then you begin to walk right. But the walking right is different than the walking that was done before. David takes only six steps and then makes right sacrifices of a bull and calf. Think about that. I'm right here. I'm going to take six steps. Let me go this way. One, two, 
three, four, five, six. Bull and calf. Again, one, two. All the way to the place that God would choose for his name and his ark to dwell. That's a whole lot of bull. That's an overwhelming sacrifice. You may be tempted to think that that's an inefficient means of getting from point A to point B. It may take a little while. Just imagine, uh, I'm just throwing this out there, going from Houston to Dallas on foot, take six steps, sacrifice a bull and a calf. Another six steps, bull and calf. That would take some time, wouldn't it? But it would be a wholehearted, overwhelming sacrifice that would demonstrate that you are now walking rightly with God. You're now restored and able to be in a state of rejoicing over the condition that you're in and not mourning it any longer. i got to ask, does your repentance lead you towards a six-step sacrifice? There are some programs out there that have 12 steps. David only had six steps because he mixed it with an overwhelming sacrifice in order to walk rightly with God. You want to know how to finish strong? You want to know how to increase in his testimony? Why don't we match David's six-step program? Why don't we sacrifice in an overwhelming manner to be right with the king? See, what we want to encourage you in tonight is how to, to see rightly. We want to encourage you how to finish strong. We're at day 317 of this year. We've only got a few more days left. We have to turn our attention after an incredible conference. We have to turn our attention from an incredible year. We are still ripping, reaping benefits. Yeah. Hannah is just days away from having a baby. Susan is just weeks away. We are having such an incredible year. But how are you going to do this unless you learn how to finish strong? Come on. How are you going to do this unless you learn how to increase in his testimony? When you look back behind you, are you seeing sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice that you have offered to the Lord? Or is your pathway behind you barren? Can you imagine if you take a bull, let's go six steps, Pastor, you, you're right there. Six steps. There's a bull and a calf here. And then you take another six steps and there's another bull and a calf there. Do you understand that this was just basically one long train of sacrifice to, to the Lord? Before he could take a complete number of steps, he wants to make sure that he's sacrificing to the Lord because he's rem- he remembers that he's number six. He's just a man. It's not his testimony. He has to walk this out rightly so that God can get glory. Look at verse 14. Pastor, one thing that comes to mind is that the seventh thing that he did was sacrifice. He had a completed walk with the, the living God. Get that. I learned something today. Come on. <laughs> verse 14. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. Yeah, he did. See, they were dancing and celebrating before, but now he's doing it rightly, and the Lord is pleased with him. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, the ark of the testimony, with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Now David is dancing. But he's covered in righteous deeds. He is covered in a repentant heart. He is covered in an attitude that is allowing him to finish this strong. To do it the right way. In what God actually told him to do. Come on now. What has God actually said to you? What has God actually said? 
with as many words as we get, with as many cards as we share with each other, what has the Lord actually said to you? And are you doing it the prescribed way or not? You know, how many things in a day do you go through and not even ask the Lord what He, care, what he thinks about that? Don't we do most of the things we do completely without consulting with the Lord? Yeah. We want you to finish strong in this church. Amen. We want you to do exactly what God says. The truth is, is sometimes we don't just ask the Lord because we're not really confident that he'll speak to us. See, if you actually turn your heart towards asking the Lord for something, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? What would you prefer that I do, Lord? What do you want me to feel about this? What should I be thinking about this, Lord? If we get in the habit of just repping that, you know what you'll find? You can only go about six steps before he tells you to repent from something. (laughs) but then you can dance with all your might before the Lord because you're clothed in righteous deeds. You want the confidence that you need? It's not you trying to figure it out more on your own. It's you becoming more and more and more dependent on Him. I want to tell you guys something. My, My little band director nerd self came out while I was reading this this afternoon. The instruments the first time around when they weren't doing it right, lyres, harps, little drums, cymbals, You know what I realized for the first time ever? None of those instruments require your own breath to play. Requires nothing of the spirit to perform on those musical instruments. They're only the strength of your own hands. Hmm. See, now the second time around, though, they were dancing. They were dancing before the Lord with all their might. David was in a linen ephod. And you know what they had? They had shouts. And trumpets. Mm. Yeah, I'm just going to let it sit. And if you don't understand why other people are nodding and saying, yeah, that's good. You, you, need, you need to catch up with this here. See, what happened is they needed the very spirit of God that they might express that unto the Lord. With shouts of victory, with sounds yeah. of that redemption that is coming forth, with sounds of, bra- of raising their own breath to the Lord because their spirit had been infused with his spirit. Amen. Man, I, I'm sure that that's just a complete coincidence that the Bible didn't intend right there. Mm. See, the word, David following the word rightly, and the spirit of God being connected to that, the word and the spirit are always in unison. They are always connected. They are always together. See, we want you to finish strong in this place so you can increase in his testimony tonight. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 24 and verse 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink. And I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. You have Eliezer sent out by Abraham, a servant to the house. And he is going out to find 
someone with a servant's heart. That Eliezer, like the Spirit of God, is going out to see who has the same kind of heart, the same kind of desire to increase his inheritance. Not Eleazar's, Abraham's inheritance. He was requesting to find someone who would be willing to sacrifice beyond what was asked. What is the Spirit of God moving upon you to do? Is it just to be compliant with what was asked? Or is is He asking you to go well beyond, to demonstrate the same servant's heart that He has? To finish strong. To have that desire to increase in His inheritance. The revelations that God has given you. Are you comfortable with just those revelations for the rest of your life? Are you looking to serve other people? Increase the Master's household. By finishing strong. And with a servant's heart. Giving well spring of life to everyone that you encounter. Somebody say it's not about me. It's not about me. Come on, say it again. It's not about me. It's not about me. (laughs) See, what we learned from Moses was he went up on the mountain. He had to climb up on the mountain and get the tablets inscribed by the very spirit, by the very finger of God and come down from that mountain and put the the covenant, the ark of the the tablets into the ark of testimony. And it had to be carried on men's shoulders. See, David thought he could do that another way. He put it on a cart, but he had to learn that you have to carry God's presence upon your shoulders. Let's look at the next verse here. Before he finished praying. Man, that's a good prayer, isn't it? That's an awesome prayer. Like, I'm not even done. I guess the scripture just had to (laughs) divinely put what he had fully prayed because he got interrupted. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder. Oh. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful. Come on. Somebody say very beautiful. A virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Where was that jar again? On her shoulder. It's on her shoulder. Come on. This is where the finished strong attitude is demonstrated in your life. The jar was already on her shoulder as she's introduced in the story. She enters the story carrying something that was needed. The sign that she was the right one was that she was already carrying the necessity of what God had put her there to do. See, Rebecca was willing to make personal sacrifices and she was willing to do it as many times as was needed. She went down to the spring and filled a jar and came up again. And you know what she did after that? She went down and got refilled and came up again. And then she did it again because this was what she understood was the personal sacrifice of needing to finish strong was increasing the testimony of the Lord in her life that he had a purpose for her. And this is what caused her to be one of the patriarchs in the holy faith. Come on. You know what I hear in that pastor? I hear of being be, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That if you're empty by the end of the day, praise God. Get on your face, cry out for the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost to refill you again and go out and bring that life-giving water to everyone else who's thirsty. Let's go to Isaiah 22, verse 22. This is a good one. 
I will place on his shoulder. Where saints? On his shoulder. The key to the house of David. When he, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will be a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his who is that? Family, family will hang on him. It's offspring and all shoots, all its lesser vessels from the bowls to all the jars. In a previous example, we talked about Rebecca. That this was a personal attitude and worth ethic that she possessed. It was about her attitude of increasing his testimony. But here, we're speaking of a man named Eliakim, who now has the key to the house of David. Where again, saints? On his shoulder. And by having that key on his shoulder, he is able to bring honor to his father's house. He is able to increase in his father's testimony. And resulting in the glory of God resting upon his entire family. I don't know, it's kind of like a pattern that we see of one life, one family, and one nation at a time. That what God begins to work within you as a personal experience, carry on your shoulder, his testimony is now able to grow where the key of David, key to the house of David, had authority, can rest upon your shoulders and bring glory to the entire family and house of God. Man, that's a good word. Are you guys catching what the Lord is trying to speak to us tonight? We're trying to help you to be able to finish strong in what the Lord has already said to you. Yeah. See, when you're reminded that it's his testimony and not yours, that can do a couple of things for you. That can both make you want to try even harder because it's not just you that's involved. Yeah. And it will also help you from feeling too low because it's his testimony. Yeah. He's going to work it out. He's <laughs> yeah. compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love, abounding in faithfulness, maintaining love and forgiving wickedness. See, this is his call for you. This is his testimony in you. You should be both encouraged and challenged simultaneously. Man, if I made a mistake today, I need to get back up because this is his testimony. I can't quit. I can't slow down. I can't stop because it's his, not mine. Come on. Come on, you got to understand what the Lord is saying to us tonight. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. <coughs> Joshua chapter 4 and verse 4. Yeah, you got to finish strong, people. <laughs> Man. So Joshua called together. Joshua 4, 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men. How many was it? 12. Uh-huh. He had appointed from the Israelites. One from each of the tribes. And said to them, go over in front before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan River. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Hey, let's, let's, just, let's just address a, a, a few things right here before we continue. Just another couple of verses. Did you think about them picking up a stone? That's a really weird thought if they're going to pick up a stone and put it on their shoulder. Pet rock. Clearly, not just the implication, but the words here I mean these guys had to go out into the middle of the river and get stones and put it up on their shoulder. On. See, there was a work that these men had yeah. to do to be a testimony 
for the Lord. To increase the testimony of the Lord, they had to pick up some boulder and put it on their shoulder so they wouldn't get older. Okay. Each of you is to take a stone and put it on his shoulder. See, it's that God's testimony had already gone out before them, didn't it? It was already out in the middle of the river. Each of you, each of these men had to take this task. It wasn't just assigned to a single person. It was assigned to a covenant group of people. Amen. Come on now. This is what we're studying about in the Talmudim classes on Friday night. We're learning how to do this rightly so that we learned what it's like to have a hakam, a lead, a principal disciple that's there picked from one of the twelve. See, these are stones on their shoulders. Like Rebecca carrying the water on her shoulder. Like Eliakim carrying the authority, the key to the house of David on his shoulder. These men knew what it was like to carry the task assigned by God's will. And they carried it with fervor. The the word goes on to say, according to the number of tribes, verse 6, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you. Man, if you got kids, if they can talk, they're asking you questions. Dad, 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 dad. Yeah, God puts those questions in their little hearts to help you to pastor them better. Because they're going to ask you a thousand questions an hour. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Somebody say memorial. Memorial. See, why did they carry the stones? Why were they assigned this task? Because God intended to be a memorial for God's people forever. See, this idea of Rebecca having a single life that learned the diligence that was needed. Eliakim that was supposed to impact his family and be the honor with the authority of God on his shoulders. Now we see an entire group of people who are here and they're learning how to do it for the generations. They're learning how to do it for for all time. See, the church, this is how we finish strong. Is you learn the personal perseverance that's needed. You get that, you get the jar and you put it on your shoulder. As a matter of fact, when people come up to you, that's how they should be introduced to you. Is you've got a jar ready to work, ready to serve, ready to increase his testimony. Then you become like Eliakim. You're like, man, my whole family. I'm going to be the honor, the seat of honor of my entire family. You know why? Because I serve a great God. I will put that on my shoulders. And we're going to carry these stones. We're going to walk out with them. We're going to walk out to where the Lord's presence has already gone. The ark of his testimony that went before them to carry on the testimony of what they needed to do. See, they're going to finish strong because they're going to increase in his testimony. Come on. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 11. There you go. Say finish strong when you get there. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, the Levites. He said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. Notice who he's addressing. He didn't start by addressing the children. Didn't start by addressing the wives. He addressed the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because of you, the Levites, 
did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. Zeal can get you so far. But if you're not doing the prescribed way, it can eventually lead to death. Zeal alone is not good enough. We need to add knowledge to our zeal. Still be zealous. Don't wane in it. But let's let God direct our strength by giving us his word so that we don't end up killing ourselves or anybody else. Pastor David danced on both ends of this, folks. Yeah, he did. He danced at the beginning, but not having done the prescribed way. It's much better to go ahead and dance after you've completed exactly what God has said. That's what we're saying. We're not saying don't dance. We're saying dance after you've completed his will, after you've learned how to finish strong, after you've been increased in his testimony in your life. Come on. You know, the kind of dancing that God will be pleased with is one that comes from a consecrated and sanctified walk. Does he want you to be rejoicing? Absolutely. But we're rejoicing while you're in right order with him. Verse 14, so the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord. We can cry out for God's presence to rest upon our shoulders all day long, but we're not willing to be consecrated, made right with Him, walk in holiness, and actually repent of what the Holy Ghost is showing us. Then we don't deserve the right to carry up His ark. We have to stop in our tracks and begin to get consecrated. In order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, and the Levites carry the ark of God with poles, where saints? On their, On their shoulders. As Moses had commanded them in accordance with the word of the Lord. What a glorious sight that repentance has taken place. The ark of God is now back on their shoulders and it is in motion to return back to where it rightfully belongs. They were finishing strong. What a beautiful picture here, folks. What do you need to be consecrated of tonight? We know what you need to be consecrated for, unto, yeah. what, what the goal is. The goal is that you have God's presence and is being carried upon your shoulders as an individual, as a family, throughout the generations. We know what the goal is, but what do you need to be consecrated of tonight? Yeah. We know what you're consecrated for. See, this idea of preparation, of constant preparation, do you need to learn like David to sacrifice? Do you need to learn like David how to inquire of the Lord that you might be doing the right thing? See, these are things that if you sit here tonight, my heart is burning on the inside for us tonight. I am lit on fire on the inside that we will not have people who are only zealous, but who are hearing, inquiring, learning what the Lord has of them, has for them that they are instructed to do. I want you to be consecrated for the Lord, that you are carrying the right thing on your shoulders. Are you carrying the wrong thing on your shoulders tonight, church? Do your shoulders have room for what God has actually designed for to be there? Or are you so busy carrying other things? There's literally no place for his presence. Hmm. For his testimony to be upon you. There are men who demonstrated this. They showed what it was like. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, you're going to find men who should have been carrying the very presence of God. Matthew 
Look in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Well, there you go. To the crowds and to his disciples. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. See, we just read about men who heard from Moses and they got themselves consecrated and were able to carry the presence of God upon their shoulders. Listen to verse 3. So you must obey them. And do everything they tell you to do. What an interesting thing to say. These men who are sitting in Moses' seat, notice that they were commanded by Jesus. You were commanded to obey them if you were there in that day and time. To do every single thing that they tell you to do. Yeah. Keep going though. But do not do what they do. <laughs> For they do not practice what they preach. Man, you thought that was just a secular term, didn't you? They don't practice what they preach. They're sitting in the seat of authority from Moses. Moses, who got the tablets of testimony put them in the ark of the testimony who showed them how to do this and they're sitting in that seat of authority. And you got to listen to everything that they say. But you can't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. How are you at practicing what you preach in this place? We got some people who are bosses of preachers. There are so many people in this room that I love to hear because you guys are just growing in this and it's fantastic when you preach. See, but I'm a pastor. I'm called a pastor, not even a preacher. That's not really what I do. That's not what God put me on the planet to do. It's to pastor you. Are we getting really good at preaching in the prisons on Sunday, but we're not very good at living what we preach about on Sunday throughout the week? Are we able to walk and we can never look behind us and see any amount of sacrifice, especially repetitious sacrifice? Are you playing musical instruments that you can play with your own hands, your own strength, but it does not require the very spirit of God to be played through you? Huh. Do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up loads and put them on men's shoulders. Mm but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Do you see how the shoulders can only handle so much? There's only so much place. You can't both be doing what God is instructing you and having other burdens placed upon you. See, these people are supposed to be leading the very people of God and they're putting burdens on other people. Consider, notice, understand who these people are. Let's go to Luke 15. We're going to see something that contrasts those that sit in Moses' seat. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, we just got through contrasting those that sat in Moses' seat, putting heavy burdens on other men's shoulders and not doing a thing to lift it off of them. 
to alleviate that burden. Men whose lives couldn't be replicated, but their teachings were to be obeyed. We see something contrasting as we continue in verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. So in contrast of laying heavy burdens on other people's shoulders and not doing a thing to help them with it, we have a shepherd of all shepherds who's going for the one that strayed off. And when he finds him rejoicing like David did, going back to the instruments that only require the spirit, the ruach of God to celebrate, and now taking that burden, that load, and putting that sheep upon his own shoulders. No different than what we've seen with Rebecca carrying that jar of water, the Eliakim with the key to the house of David, taking responsibility for what he had been entrusted with because the shepherd's heart desires to increase in his testimony. What are you putting on other people that you yourself are not carrying out and not doing a thing to help them? Are you looking for those in this church? Are you looking for those in your workplace? Those that God has put within your sphere of influence and that one that is lost, joyfully searching for them and putting them on your shoulders. Maybe wanting to do more than just have a cup of coffee with them. Instead, invite them into your home. Put them near you. Help alleviate that burden and load so that they can be restored and walk rightly with God. He joyfully puts this lost sheep on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Oh, what it's like when I watch God bring someone into this church. And I know right from the beginning... They're a lost sheep that the shepherd has put them here and laid them at the altar so that we could put them on our shoulders and help carry them home to help them finish strong, to help them increase in his testimony. You know what I'm staring at? I'm staring at a room of lost sheep that have returned home. I'm staring at a room of men and women of God that have received, accepted the challenge to increase his testimony. And as good pastors, we will continue to challenge you to increase his testimony. Because not until that day that we breathe our last, that is our mandate from heaven. To increase the testimony of the blood of the lamb that has purchased us in the first place. What are you doing with it? Are you increasing it? That was excellent. So you guys think we're not just up here to preach. We're actually, I'm being moved just as you are here. I want to add something to what my brother said. See, most of you are sheep who have been lost and have been found. There are people in this room that I know that are straying, that are lost. And our Father joyfully wants to take you And put you on his shoulders. Forget about us. There are people in every section of the room tonight. From my left to my right. Who have become lost. 
And the thing is, is it's his testimony that he wants to fulfill in you. It's his life that he wants to come and to help you and to put you on his shoulders. And he'll do it joyfully if you'll let him. Yeah. But the thing is, is we view this as my testimony. I've already messed this up too far. I've, I've, I've gone too far. I've messed this up too much. I can't possibly be fixed. He can't possibly want to come and pick me up. I've said too much. I've done too much. And what the Lord is encouraging us tonight is that he will joyfully put you on his shoulders once you remember that it's his testimony and not your own. Yeah. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, 2 says this. Carry each other's burdens. The baros. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. (laughs) It's amazing what the Lord does. The last verse that Pastor read tells us that there are some broken who think they're nothing when they're actually something. And he was willing to complete his testimony in you. And he'll do it joyfully if you'll let him. There are others in the room who think of themselves to be something when they're nothing. Each one should test his own actions. Then you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. See, when we are dealing with a burden, something that's going to crush you, We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to stay in community because we're a family. Everybody, everywhere we go, thinks we're brothers. Are y'all brothers? Y'all look alike. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yes, we we are. (laughs) See, but we need our brothers. We need to die for our brother's vision. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. See, these are the things that caused our church to be who we are. See, but you're supposed to test your own actions. See, David... Was By the end, he wasn't just dancing. He was dancing clothed in righteousness. See, you're supposed to, you've been assigned your own load. It's been what has been assigned to you. It's been what is supposed to fit on your shoulders. You can't be carrying things that aren't your load, church. Whether it's the guilt of foolish mistakes or the pride that says you never make a mistake. You can't be carrying those things on your shoulders because it will keep you from carrying God's testimony where it needs to go. You've got to get rid of these other things. It's his testimony that is now upon your shoulders. Carry it. Carry it faithfully. Carry it passionately. And when you can't carry it, he will come along and throw you on his shoulders to make sure that you can get there. And then when you're healthy, when you're whole, you know what he does? He puts you back down so that you can carry your own load now. See, you just can't lose if you keep pursuing what the Lord is doing. If you realize that it is His testimony that He has placed on your shoulders and given you the privilege to carry. This is what the Lord is instructing us tonight. That you might finish strong. That you might increase in His testimony. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews 12. We'll start in verse 1. Something that I hope that you're getting from Pastor Wade and myself. is that we're trying to equip and propel you to finish strong. Our heart's desire as pastors 
is that you increase His testimony inside of you. That's going to require a little bit of pushing, pulling, tugging, kicking, encouraging, loving, affirming. But what you hear us saying is that we see more potential inside of you than you see within yourself. And we want to see it increase his testimony within you. We want you to want you to finish strong. We know that you can. We see that you can. And we're going to do it together as a church. Amen. Amen. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I want to stop right here. This is speaking of the heavenly realms. Those who are with our king at the moment. It is those that have finished strong. It is a great cloud of those who bear witness to the name of Jesus and that they have increased in his testimony within them. Your lives, day and night, every second, every microsecond of every day, you have a captive audience in the heavenly realms watching to see if you will increase his testimony. There's never a time where you are completely out of sight and out of mind from the heavenly realms. That should change the way that you live. That should even change the way that you think. Because even every idle word is going to be held into account before the throne. There should be the fear of God within you. All of us, I'm not going to ask to raise hands, but all of us act differently in front of a crowd than we do in the privacy of our own home. We're more holy. We're more spiritual. We have better revelation. But what you're going to be measured by is those things that are done in public and in private. Because the truth is, it's never done in private. Because you're surrounded by such a great cloud of those who have already finished strong. Who have done what you say in your heart is impossible to do. But the blood of Jesus says it is possible. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and praise God, it's not Jehovah's Witnesses, (laughs) let us throw off some things that hinder. Let us throw off everything that hinders. If I'm trying to get to the other side of the stage and Pastor Wade, the homiletic blade, who is just made of concrete and steel, He stands firmly planted, and I am trying to move. He is hindering my progress. Hindering me from moving forward. And it couples it with in the passage, and the sin that so easily entangles. You know what we do as pastors all day, as opposed to what some people might think? Is that we are pointing people back to the standard of the Word of God, but we are detangling your arms and legs and minds out of sin that so easily entangles. And yes, you have the the typical kind that exists with men and the typical kind that exists with women, but I'm talking about getting down to the depths of your soul of selfish ambition. Getting down to the, the very back corners of your mind of pride and idolatry of your own self image. That you have kept hidden and flattered yourself too much to detect. 
It's our job as pastors to liberate you from the hindrances, to free you from the entanglements of your own sinful nature. Because as this verse continues, there's a goal to reach. We want you to finish strong. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Say run. Run. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. What are we doing as a body? We are not hindering you when we are correcting you. When we are using the scalpel of scripture to carve out that which hinders and has entangled you. We're setting you free to run the race. We're strengthening you with perseverance to have that hupomone, that character that just won't quit so that you can run the race that's been marked out for you. There's been so many times when some of you are trying to run somebody else's race. And because you're progressing forward, you think you're on the right track. And when we begin to put you back on what God has tasked you to do, you fight and kick and resist against us. And it's not until you consecrate your heart and your mind and get right with God, then you get right on track. And you begin to run that race with a perseverance that won't quit. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on the one who has perfected this model of finishing strong. And it goes on to say the author. An author inscribes, doesn't he? So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who, like the finger of God on the tablets with Moses, is going to inscribe his word upon your stony heart so that you won't sin against him. And not just inscribe it upon your hearts and your minds, but he's going to be the very one that's going to carry you on his shoulders and help you perfect that word that he has inscribed in your heart and your mind. Who in here needs help from our King Jesus to perfect what He's inscribed inside of us? Let us let Him carve away that which has entangled us in our sinful nature. Let us let Him perfect our walk with Him so that every six steps we are making wholehearted and overwhelming sacrifice. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy. Isn't this reflected of the parable that Jesus told when he found the lost sheep? Isn't this reflecting of David repenting and joyfully celebrating in the right manner now consecrated holy before God and this model that we have, the author and perfecter who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of God. I want to just touch on something really quick. Carrying hindrances and entanglements while simultaneously carrying the ark of his testimony on your shoulders is deceptive. It's very deceptive. And the reason that it's deceptive is because you can go a little ways, but you won't finish strong. You can travel whatever distance, no different than David and Uzzah and the rest of the crew did when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the place that God chose. I'm making progress, Pastor. I'm getting revelation. I'm angering into worship. But we can see very clearly, son, you're not going to finish strong. You have chains of entanglement 
wrapping around your legs. You have stones of offense that are hindering the next step in the path of walking rightly with God. We got to get rid of these things. And then we can join with Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Join him in the ability to have joy in what we suffer. No longer grumbling, no longer complaining, no. no longer blaming everybody else and the pastors preaching and teaching and lack of texting me back when I thought that he should. <laughs> but instead, we joyfully lay down our lives in the same way that our king did. Because you can go a little ways and not finish strong. But when you are consecrated, you can run at full speed that race is marked out for you and begin to increase his testimony inside of you. Look, we've just got a few minutes left together. I want to take you through some scriptures that will encourage you here. You may or may not be able to turn to them as fast as we're going to talk through them, but you can write them down so that you can study them. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 says this, I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us. Somebody say all of us. All of us. Who are mature should take a view on such things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Well, that's such a confident kind of thing. What, what is the scripture telling? If you think wrong, if you think differently than this, about you needing to press on and finish strong, it means you're wrong, but God will catch you up later. That's an encouraging thought. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already been given because it's his testimony. Amen. Only let us live up to it. Let us finish strong that we might live up to what we have already been granted. Those 12 gates that you've already been given. The word of God that's already been blessed in your life with. You can live up to what's already been attained. Let me read this to you. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And, at, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul fought the good fight. He received a crown of righteousness by pouring himself out, by throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled and able to attain the award from God by running and finishing his work. It's not about how you start the race. It's about how you finish that race. Are you going to finish strong, church? Finish strong. Because the reward of finishing that race strong is the reward of a crown upon your head testifying that you have increased his testimony. In Acts 20 and verse 24, it says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish strong. It's to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I consider my life worth nothing. nothing. Because it's all about Him. It's about His testimony. It's not about my testimony. My only aim. Come on, can you say that with the writer of Acts here? Can you say that? My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. My only aim is to finish strong and increase in what His testimony is. Let it be built in me that others may see His testimony at work. Somebody say, finish strong. Finish strong. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. 
Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Saints, my charge, our charge to you is run in such a way to get a prize. Run to win. Run to finish strong. Run to increase his testimony within you. Because there is a prize. There is a crown of glory waiting to be placed upon your head as you finish strong. And as you finish increasing his testimony. Hebrews 11 gives us a long list of people who finish strong. Who increased his testimony in their lives. Just person after person. What they did. They constantly went through. And in verse 38 it says this. The world was not worthy of them. The ones who were despised by the world. The truth is. Is the Bible says that the world was not worthy of them. Because they finished strong. They increased in God's testimony. Time and time and time again. Conquering a nation. No problem. Subduing a kingdom. Not even a small task for them. Because they learned to finish strong in everything that they did. Ephesians 6.20 says, For which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. What you hear Paul echoing here is that he must shoulder the load and finish strong. We got to imitate this same way of life. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, Do everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. Without complaining or arguing. Wow. It's a good place to start, isn't it? So that you may become blameless and pure. So that you may finish strong like a child of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. As you hold on to the very testimony of God. In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. See, you got to shoulder the very work of Christ. That's what you've been put on the planet to do. That's what God called you to do. That's why you don't need to worry about what someone else is doing. You just got to get in there and figure out what God has put on your shoulders to do. That it's His testimony and that you might finish strong. Amen. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight in the NASB says, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Our, our imploring to you tonight is that be joyfully immovable, husbands. Be steadfast, wives. Always abound yourself in the work that God has apportioned to you as a family. Because our toil, that labor-intensive work that we do of obedience to the will of God every day, all day, with every thought, with every emotion, it is not in vain. There's a reward that's waiting for us as we finish strong and complete increasing His his testimony. I want you to stand your feet as we finish together tonight. Because I want us to finish strong here in this place tonight. The goal of this is to move you to do something. To actually finish what the Lord is instructing you to do. To actually put into practice. What a novel idea that you would put into practice what the Lord has been speaking to you. Anybody in this room been corrected lately? Yeah, by the Lord, by someone else, even someone else on the stage. Yeah, I've been corrected every single day. You know why? Because that's exactly what the Word of God does. Because He wants to help me to finish strong. Tonight, we have gone over law,
prophets in writings, Older and Newer Testament. By the way, if you want to know more about shoulders, you can look at Revelation 22 and see the shoulders of the tree of life and how it's on both sides of a river. One tree with branches on both sides of the river. See, the last three services, we've started off in the law on Sunday. We went to the prophets on Monday. And tonight we've been focused in the writings that God may instruct our hearts. We watched Moses learn how to climb. David learn how to walk. And even dance a little bit. And we watch God's people learn how to run the race that's been set out for them. We've been challenged to put back on our shoulders only the Lord, only the load that the Lord has placed upon us. That's the only thing that should be on your shoulders, that His testimony may increase in you and that you will finish strong in what God has put before you. This is what tonight has been about. Somebody say, finish strong. strong. See, we have to move our hearts now. We have to understand how to direct our strength and be able to accomplish that which God has put before us. We have to finish strong tonight. Family, our aim tonight is that from these three different angles, law, prophets, and writings, we would have your hearts impacted by the responsibility to increase his testimony. I want you to take this time as the altar is open, as we begin to worship. What is hindering the increase of his testimony in your life? What is so easily entangling you? Is it offense? Is it some facet of the sinful nature? Is it selfish ambition? What's getting in the way from God's testimony increasing inside of you? Not just maintaining. And as we lay our hearts on this altar right now, what we will experience is picking our heads up and rejoicing. What we will experience is being able to run the race with perseverance that's been marked out for us. We'll see homes, marriages, individuals, Revived, restored, full of grace, full of power, able to walk rightly with God just as David did. That every six steps there's a sacrifice that is overwhelming because you are now free of hindrance and free of entanglement. As I begin to pray, make your way down to the altar. Let's hunt for what is hindering. Let's crucify what is entangling us. Mighty God, I thank you for your word that is living and it is active. Lord, judging every thought and attitude of our heart. Lord, we ask that your word and spirit come right now. Help us become liberated and free from hindrances. Liberated and freed from entanglements that keep us from increasing your testimony within us. May we be consecrated. May we be purified and sanctified, worthy of having your glory, worthy of having your name dwell within us, mighty God. That through us you would build a testimony. That through us we would impact generations. Through us we would carry on our shoulders living water, authority, and memorial stones for the generations. Lord, help us crucify our sinful nature. Put to death that in the ball. 
so that your resurrected and divine nature could live within us and make us worthy to carry your name. We love you, Jesus.